You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down. Or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart. And I'm Jared McKenna, and this is Inverse. Hey, Jared, what's up? G'day, Drew. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. What's going on with uh, Decolonizing Sunday School this fall? Well, the name change must be official because Drew has said it on the podcast. Uh, We're partnering with The Warehouse in South Africa to be studying Emmanuel Katangoli, his brilliant text, The Sacrifice of Africa, A Political Theology of Africa. So if people have a heart to decolonize their faith and be exposed to other texts. Dr. Kingoli's text is a great place to start. How about you, Drew, in in terms of um, what we're doing in Subversive Seminary? What's up next? Yeah, we're we're excited to announce our new book for Subversive Seminary. We're going to start in September with Watershed Discipleship, which was edited by our good friend Chad Myers. We believe that our commitment to anti-racist and decolonizing discipleship must include and take seriously our ecological crisis. And so we'll be starting Tuesday, September 7th in the U.S. and September 8th in Western Australia. And so folks that are hoping to engage in whether it be decolonizing Sunday school or subversive seminary, they can apply. And we hope that we can join them in this journey this fall. All right, so we are excited to uh, introduce our guest for today on Inverse. Uh, We've got with us Dante Stewart. He's a writer and speaker whose voice has been featured on CNN, The Washington Post, Christianity Today, Sojourners, The Witness, Comet Magazine, and so many more. Uh, He's an up-and-coming voice. He writes and speaks on race, religion, and politics. He's currently studying at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. And so Dante, uh, welcome, welcome into this space. We're really glad to have you. What's up brothers? What's up, what's up, what's up? How y'all, how y'all doing today? Mate, do do we need to give condolences that the Hawks haven't made it through? Uh, I just heard Atlanta lifted up. Are they, your home team? Jared, how you gonna bring up, how you gonna bring up Atlanta you know, as a Philadelphia basketball fan, so y'all okay, good. good. Y'all okay, game. so you're not gonna no, stop no, on me right now. Good. I play, I play football, bro. I ain't got okay. no dog in the fight right here. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I thought you were gonna kick me while I was down. You know, um, my Sixers are still hurting, but anyway, that's all right. That's all right. When Drew and I aren't recording, there's this weird Muggsy Berg Spud Web conversation that happened earlier in the week about false, right. false hope for uh, us that's shorties, right. but that, that's, that's a whole right. other. Brother, before we get into it, um, we're so excited um, to, to have you on and uh, would love, um, when you sent through the different texts that we might um, use as a, a playground, just to open some stuff up, um, including your own story. And we're so serious about um, uh, biography being um, uh, theology. And so to, to explore that and your story, we're looking forward to. But um, we're also aware you have a book coming out. Um, we, we don't want... Uh, any spoilers? Um, like, uh, so we realize maybe 30,000 feet kind of view, but would you kind of sketch for us this exciting project that, I mean, um, uh, even the graphics that you're sharing have got people shouting. So do you want to sketch hey. some of that for us before we go to the passage? 
Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, first of all, thank y'all for having me on. I do count it a blessing. Uh, you know, uh, whenever you know we go into into different spaces, we want to first give an honor to God. You know, oh, who's head of our life, and and just to the shepherd of this house uh, and this all head. Right, of all right. Now y'all know what tradition I come out of. I'm Pentecostal, mm -hmm. so we 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 say to the shepherd of this house. But you know, I'm very thankful. Uh, first of all, that y'all did reach out to me and um, you know you know tap into me and things like that. So definitely grateful for that. And so my book, Shouting in the Fire, is dropping October 12th. Uh, it's coming up like real soon. I'm a few months out and, you know, uh, yesterday, actually, uh, yesterday I got all my endorsements in um, and this list, I, I can't share too much about the list, but that joint is like, I mean, that joint is like stellar, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stellar. What's up, like, what's up? like I ain't even, I ain't even capping right now, but it's like, you know, it's, it, it's, I, I am very proud, you know, I'm very proud that, that, you know, we've been able to really you know, you put together this beautiful project and also, you know, that that many people that I admire and, and just have benefited tremendously from mm -hmm. uh, 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 affirm and acknowledge, uh, you know, the gift of God upon my voice, but also, you know, the 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 skill set, you know, as a writer, mm -hmm. and as a thinker, yeah. and as a communicator. So, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's one thing to be gifted, you know, but it's another thing, you know, to be gifted and have the skill set to go with it that people can acknowledge and affirm. And so I'm definitely grateful for that. And so it's shouting in the fire, an American epistle. Um, mm. Let's see. I'm trying. Okay. So like at a 30,000 foot level, um, you know, I'm a writer. And so I, I write essays. And so it's a collection of essays that, that, that is really wrestling, you know, through uh, what does it mean to be both black and Christian and the ways in which both of those uh, realities uh, intersect in some of the most beautiful and terrible ways possible. Uh, particularly as I think about my own story and really delve deep into my life and do some kind of, you know, real kind of mining work. Um, and, and you mentioned particularly about biography and, um, and, and, and theology and things like that. You know, I was very much, you know, attuned to that and aware of that kind of tension and reality, as well as that world to be explored uh, within my own text. Uh, so I did sociology at Clemson. And so we read yeah. a lot of C. Wright Mills. And uh, the sociological imagination what Mills talks about uh, the connection between biography and history at the beginning of that book. And so I was very much attuned to that. And so uh, I tried to write something that, you know, I'm, I ain't gonna lie, like I, I wanted to write something that ain't never been done before. Hmm. You know, I wanted to be a part of a noticeable tradition uh, of Black writing and Black storytelling. So when you read my book, I mean, you're going to feel Baldwin. When you read my book, you're going to feel Kiese Lehman. When you read my book, you're going to feel Jasmine Ward. You're going to feel Disha Filyard. You're going to feel Robert Jones. You're going to feel Jason wow. Reynolds. You're going to feel Imani Perry and Eddie Glaude. You're going to feel yeah. Arthur Lord and June Jordan and Tony wow. Morrison and, 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 and Alice Walker and, mm. uh, uh, or whatnot. And all these just brilliant, brilliant, incredible black writers, but also you're going to feel, you know, theological work. I mean, I'm doing as much as I'm doing, you know, literary and cultural work, I'm doing theological work. And so you're going to get, you know, black feminist theorizing, but also conversing with, you know, black liberation hermeneutics and womanist hermeneutics woven within the narrative. And, mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to write a book, you know, and I think we did, I wanted to write a book, you know, that, that, that in some sense, you know, kind of, I, I, I'm kind of weird of like that whole kind of, you know, groundbreaking language, you know, uh, or whatnot. Cause I feel like none of us in some sense, you know, are, 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 
you know, create things ex nihilo, but, you know, we take these kind of traditions <laughs> and, lang and language and voices that we inherit and we try and, you know, embrace them and acknowledge them, expand them, bend them, uh, revise them as Kiese always talks about. Um, and so what I was trying to do was, was do that type of work, especially as you're talking about doing public theology. Um, mm. I wanted to bend and fold and, and dance and move and shake mm. and things like that. And I think, you know, I was able to do that in that work, especially at that intersection of being both black and Christian, you know, situated at this particular moment um, or whatnot. So, yeah. That's what's up, wow. man. That's exciting. And I didn't even talk about my chapters yet. My God. That, 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 <laughs> I, 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 hey, I need to keep this recording so that when, when we start talking about it more with different people, that I get that little, I get that little 30,000 foot view, you know, so I can share that without talking about a lot of my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Um, everyone's looking forward to it. And I know we got um, a lot of folks, certainly in the inverse community, um, that are excited about your book coming out as well. And so, so, so congrats already ahead of time because we already know it's, it's meaningful work and significant work. So, yeah. Thank you. And so, Dante, just, yeah. just to encourage you some, like I haven't seen this kind of excitement for having a guest on probably since we had like Walter Brueggemann. And that was like well, well, really okay. early on. Wow. So okay, you I need to know like um, the, the, there's a lot of people excited about what God is doing in your life. Bless it. Bless it. And thank y'all. And, and I'm just so grateful that so many people, you know, are, are, are tapping in, you know, to my voice. Um, and, and like many of y'all know, many of, many of us know, you know, like so, so, so often people kind of see, you know, the now um, and, 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 and in many ways, you know, the, the kind of now is so much a reflection of the kind of struggles that we went through in the past and the way we learned, the way we was able to adapt and adjust you know, the way we were kind of broken and bent in ways that we never meant to be bent and broken. Um, and we tried to make something of it. And so like to, to, to be able to experience this right now um, and just to have so many people, you know, acknowledge and affirm that, you know, is a blessing, you know? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so much I can say about that. You know, we'll, 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 leave that, we'll say that for later though. That's what's up, that's what's up. So one of the things that we like to do before we like really, really get all into our conversation is to, um, to ground our conversation with a text to kind of to to kind of be the overcast of everything else that we say. So, is there a particular text or passage that you'd like to read from that we maybe we can um, can shape our conversation together? Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher as well, so I I, I love the Bible, you know, uh, uh, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I was reading this text. So when when Jared asked me uh, uh, about 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 the text to use tonight, I was like, "Dang, man, I didn't got I got so many texts I've been kind of thinking through lately, <laughs> uh, or whatnot that I've been really, you know, you know, really, really, really thinking through. But one in particular that I read the other day that I, you know. I don't think I ever came across this text. You know, I know people talk about, you know, getting through reading the Bible, you know, in one year, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a little while to get through the Bible. So I, I came across this in my devotional reading uh, or whatnot. And so this, this text is, is, is situated in, the, uh, in, in 1 Samuel uh, or depending on where people are from, 1 Samuel. Uh, I guess if I think people from the UK say 1 Samuel uh, or whatnot, uh, depending on where people are from. So I was, I was really thinking about this text, particularly, uh, and I'm going to read from the Common, Common English Bible. Um, 
in, in First Samuel ten. Let's let's begin at verse five. Ho- ho- hopefully, I don't uh, uh, mess up some. Um, I should have I should have practiced saying these 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 places uh, before before. You know, oh, we'll we'll just talking. act like you're speaking in tongues. I, 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 I paused that's there because right. I was like, oh man, can I say that? You know, so I was like, okay, let's begin at First Samuel ten five b. That's right. That's right. You know, so I can skip over that at that first one. Uh, so so this is in the context of um, uh, Samuel pouring a jar of oil and anointing uh, Saul uh, as king, and in verse five. Um, after that, you will come to uh, Gebeth Elohim, which is a Philistine fort. When you enter the town, you will enter, encounter a group of prophets coming down from the shrine, preceded by harps, tambourines, fl- flutes, and lyres. They will be caught up in a prophetic frenzy. Then the Lord's spirit will co- come over you, and you will be caught up in a prophetic frenzy along with them. It will be like you've become a completely different person. Once these signs have happened to you, do whatever you would like to do, because God is with you. And so that's 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 kind of if I have to ground, you know, where I'm thinking, but my kind of headspace at right now. This it's particularly it's particularly in uh, verse verse six where. Uh, where, where, where the word of the Lord comes to, San, to, Saul, uh, to Saul and it says, you know, you will encounter uh, uh, those who are in a prophetic frenzy and you will be caught up in that prophetic frenzy and it will be like you've become a completely different person. Now, if I was, if I was preaching this text, if I was preaching this text and I had to tag it with a topic, you know, I would, I would, I would be preaching it from, the, from, 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 from this thought, this simple theological thought, did you see what happened? If I was preaching, mm. did, did you see? Never, oh, never. What happened? Uh, did you see what happened? Uh, or whatnot. But I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna go there tonight. You know, I, we wrong, wrong place, wrong place. We'll mess with it, but I ain't. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to preach. I'm gonna preach it. I'm gonna preach it one day. Woo. You got us. You got. You already got everybody stirring. Um, That's right. But but we're That's excited right. about in a little while, uh, hearing a little bit more about that. But that's that's a good word. All right. All right. Good, good brother. You, you've already hinted at um, some of. Uh, uh, the, the makeup of your story, some of the elements that, that make up your story. We, we heard hints of Pentecostalism. Um, we, we heard uh, the, the definite geographical location of that reality uh, just south of Canada and north of Mexico that um, uh, often fills up so much of our television viewing around the world. But we would love to hear a little bit. When do you first remember encountering the Bible? And um, to just sketch a, a little bit of uh, um, why this this text is so dear to you and how it features in your story, mm, man. And you have permission to go anywhere you want. Oh like, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, definitely. I, I think you know if I even close my eyes right now and I think about you know, you know the the the, the physical text, my and my encounters with the physical text would be, you know, in my own home, those old school leather Bibles that had the red the red on, on them. Some of them were green. Some of them, some of them were black. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, were white or purple uh, or whatnot. And so I would remember, you know, seeing that imagery of, you know, the Bible on the table, uh, the right. Bible uh, on the nightstand, the Bible in mm-hmm. my mother and my father's hand, uh, the Bible uh, with, with, in, in, in dusty places and dirty places and the Bible in clean places. 
uh, uh, or whatnot. And so when I think about, you know, my encounter with the Bible uh, as a text, as a, as a physical text, my mind immediately goes back to rural South Carolina, where I'm from. Um, and 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 the South, and 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 in some sense, the deep, the deep South, and the Black South, and the ways in which the Bible, you know, was not just simply, you know, a physical, you know, collection, you know, but but it but you know, the Bible was a cultural artifact. It was mm-hmm. a it was a spiritual artifact. You know, whether one you knew, you know, whether one knew how to you know, handle or interpret or had a particular hermeneutic when it came to the text and things like that, you know, didn't really matter, but it was that the Bible was able to be on one's, inside one's hands, um, uh, situated in one's house, you know, and we use language, as a Pentecostal, we use language of, of being covered, uh, that you know that, that, that wherever you go, wherever that text, go, wherever you go, that text goes with you. Um, but then also in a, on another level, you know, my encounters with the Bible was beyond the text, you know, and mm. so in some sense, you know, the text being Pentecostal, you know, the text is, is thinking about sermon closes. Many are familiar with the black black pre- preaching tradition, you know, the sermon close, uh, uh, which which represents, you know, ways in which, you know, one 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 almost has a certain memory of Africa. Uh, uh, has a certain type of, you know, the, the sermon close is but uh, the long uh, connection to, 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 to African traditional religion, uh, mm. in which this whole idea of religion and the body or faith and life uh, is, is destroyed, and they're bound together through an unbreakable tension that becomes both ecstatic speech and prophetic performance. And so the Bible begins to shut and the preacher, whether it be uh, female or male, you know, given, given the different denominational context, the preacher, whether they're old or young, the preacher, whether they're rich or poor, the preacher becomes the very expression of the divine practice within hmm. this kind of live com- covenantal community. And so the text was not just simply, you know, bound to letter to, to the letters, but, you know, the text was always, always bound to the life. And so for many Pentecostals, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, hey, you know, can you read the Bible in a year, you know, and then you kind of check that off your list. But, you know, how much does the Bible permeate the ways in which you relate to one another? Mm-hmm. And sadly, you know, my encounters with the Bible are not always good. So this is mm-hmm. this is why I uh, I am I'm very skeptical, even of black folk, you know, that talk about black black traditions in ways that kind of, you know, make us very salvific and pure. You know, the Bible was not just a liberating cultural artifact, but also the Bible became a weapon against those who were different. You know, mm-hmm. who transgress, or as uh, theorist Judah Butler would say, who troubled you know, yeah. the Pentecostal waters um, and tr- troubled notions of humanity and what humanity was meant to be embraced and love and what humanity, particularly as you're talking about the intersection of gender and sexuality, especially within mm-hmm. uh, Pentecostal uh, traditions, you yeah. know, that, 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 that the Bible, you know, is, is not, you know, a bomb in Gilead that, 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 that uh, the clock mm-hmm. sisters would speak of and preach of. Uh, and sing of, but oftentimes the, the, the Bible often was a brutal weapon 
um, mm. that 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 dis disrespected and disregarded those who should have encountered the Bible as a liberating invitation of conversation uh, and calling. And so, you know, I, I have a interesting kind of relationship with mm. the Bible as I kind of think about, you know, that 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 kind of history. But it, it my first encounters is definitely, you know, within my own Pentecostal roots where. You know, that, that text in Hebrews where the Bible is alive and active, you know, I didn't know that text until much older, but I definitely felt it, you know, as I, as I lived around where I was at. Yeah. Um, and so even right now, as I think about my life right now, you know, many know I'm in seminary. And so my, my work centers around the Bible. You know, I'm, I'm, I do work right now at the intersection of Black text, uh, theory, uh, and theology. And so you know, so much of what I'm doing is, is, is trying to take these various kind of uh, theoretical traditions, both in the biblical context, but also in, you know, traditions of theories of literature or philosophical theories and critical theories and things like that, and trying to uh, converse with those kind of theoretical traditions um, with uh, the biblical narrative uh, and, and, and what we read in, in the Hebrew Bible and the Christian scriptures. And the traditions that we all have in, inherited in some way through history, but also particularly how does that converse with Black texts? Uh, and for me, I'm, I kind of I kind of hone in on James Baldwin uh, mm -hmm. as that kind of theological narrative that I'm trying to really kind of mess with. So yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Now you already kind of hinted at it. Um, you know, thinking about you know, we always ask our guests, did you experience it as liberative? or oppressive, and I already heard you kind of teasing out that there's a little bit of both, right? But I'd be curious to hear, like, um, so when you were young, would you, how would you have described your experience with it at that point? And then how would you describe it kind of like as you've journeyed, like looking back, like was there two particular points in which you would say, oh yeah, I'm now seeing that this has been weaponized or, or would you have at that time seen it as problematic in terms of how the Bible was being employed in those spaces? Mm, mm, that's a great question. So I think when I was younger, I don't know if I would have used that language, you right. know, though, though I would have, you know, there, there were many times, you know, that I, that I felt weird, you know, in the, in, in that, that, that I was like, you know, something ain't right you know, in, in, in this space. And so you have to realize like, and, and I, I was in the apostolic space of Pentecostal okay. traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very much centered on Acts 238, uh, mm -hmm. very much centered on, you know, patriarchal interpretations of the biblical text, especially, you know, as we think about these traditions of rooting patriarchy within a creative order um, and, and the ways in which that, that idea, you know, of, of the created order you know, gets very, you know, <laughs> it can get, it can get real all kinds of ways. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It can get, it can get real dangerous. The, the cyclical, um, the cyclical <laughs> logic, right. That people can yeah, yeah, use yeah. to employ, to justify and, and yeah, it's just indeed. dangerous. It's dangerous. Indeed, indeed. And so I, as a youngin, you know, I don't think I would have, you know, like used that language, you know, of, 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 of like, man, this is terrible. But there were, there were times, especially in my Pentecostal tradition, you know, especially thinking about, you know, the ways in which it, it was not necessarily, you know, the ways in which, you know, the Bible was interpreted as much as it was the Bible and, and, and biblical and, and, and in some sense, our Christian life was weaponized, uh, particularly against mothers who were single in, in the mm -hmm. church, uh, yep. particularly wow. against women, um, particularly against those who were gay. 
uh, mm. or, or whatnot, particularly against, you know, young people. Um, mm. And so like being young, you know, you can't, there, there, there is a certain type of kind of hierarchical parameter that one exists in that the language of kind of, you know, criticizing your mom and your daddy and your pastor just ain't about to happen. You know, it just, you know, you just kind of go with the flow because it's like, you know, hey, it is what it is. And so, you know, as I gotten much older and 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 kind of walked through various kind of denominational communities and have kind of taken on or tried to take on better ways of reading the Bible, now and I can look back, you know, in time and say, okay, yeah, that was that was terrible or yeah, that was like really good um, or whatnot. And that was very helpful um, and things like that. Um, but I try, I try also, and this is the weird part about, particularly when you're talking about conversations of the Bible and the ways in which the Bible is used and interpreted, especially when you, especially how the conversation becomes even more complex, the more marginalized a community becomes. You know, whenever one exists in the kind of matrix of marginalization, uh, and 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 in some sense, have bad theology and bad religion within that situation of oppression and marginalization, mm-hmm. it gets harder and more complex to talk about the kind of convoluted relationship between interpretation uh, and experience. And so it's like, you know, for many of them, you know, they did did they know better? You know, than that you know, because of lack of access to education. Um, so if many people know about Pentecostalism, I, don't, I haven't, you know, one, I haven't researched this, but, you know, I think lived experience can also be authoritative. And mm-hmm. so when I think about my lived experience, you know, many of the Pentecostals I grew, grew up around in the Black rural South were, were living in the Black poor rural South, which meant, you know, we were left behind when it came to yeah. healthcare. We were left behind when it came to education, we were left mm. behind when it came to, you know, who, which community matters. You know, the, the, the place that I grew up in, uh, the state of South Carolina called our area the corridor of shame. Mm. And so when Oof. you think about that idea of the corridor of shame and this idea of being left behind educationally, you know, your access, not only just when you're talking about public education, your access is limited, but we're in a context of religious kind of space. And so we had to talk about, you know, religious education and things like that. And did people have the tools, you know, to be able to take on better interpretive narratives than, than the ones that they inherited um, or whatnot. And so like now, you know, as I talk to my people and, and so many of my friends and family back in that space, I used to, you know, I was in white evangelical space. I used to go ham uh, and go real hard, you know, even when I was wrong, you know, in, in this reformed community and the ways they, they interpret the Bible, which is terrible. Uh, I'm sorry if anybody reformed, but you know, it's terrible. And and I'll use I use Ronald Niebuhr's uh thoughts from um from that back end of uh, uh moral man and immoral society. He was talking about yeah. race and things like that, but mm-hmm. he says one could speak with a dogma to which all of history justifies. Uh, and so uh, you know, I think I think history justifies there are some true limitations in the reform kind of space that I was in, especially when it came to you know uh biblical interpretation and things like that. And so, you know, did they as I mean and, and when I went back and was in that white evangelical space and went back home and things like that, I was just like wielding the sword and things like that. And now, you know, as I as I've become a little bit better as an interpreter and and, and understand a lot more, 
You know, I think I think for me, I've become more understanding of the context, wild hold and intention, the terror that many people uh, faced uh, in that space. And one of, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I, that's not my community. Yeah, well, so. I'm really interested. So we, um, some of us in our community was having a really interesting conversation, just kind of ended up going to this conversation around um, the reform community. Then we're talking about mm -hmm. black reform folks. Anyway, it just kind of, and so I'll be curious to hear, I mean, I knew a little bit of your story that you had kind of, but so I'd be curious to hear like, um, what was it that initially had drew you into that conservative reform space and what explicitly was it that, that led you out of it, right? What was, what, what drew you in and what was the exodus yeah. out of that? Yeah, Dante, so I, I, think, I think part yeah. of um, Drew asking is uh, Inverse uh, isn't merely a podcast, it's, it's a community or several communities. We, we run these different formation hubs, whether it be Liberating Sunday School or Subversive Seminary um, or Refuge Reimagined. And we're seeking to pass to people. And for us, it's fascinating that um, there are a lot of people and it seems to be um, you're at the forefront of this moment or this movement, um, particularly uh, amongst North American black Christians who have been reformed and things have just kind of fallen apart. So um, your story, I think it's easy to talk about, you know, the, the apostolic Pentecostalism um, uh, but to confess like white reformed kind of spaces um, uh, as part of the story, uh, not everybody, a lot of people are editing that part or they're seeking to adapt in such a way that how do I still stay in those circles um, oh, while branching out? How, how do I, um, but you've just kind of gone, no turning back. <laughs> no oh turning yeah, back. yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, that, that's, you know, I, you know, that, that's, that for me, that's a non-negotiable, you know, I tweeted this the other day, and I think people need to take this seriously, not because I tweeted it, but because I've been reading a lot about, you know, epistemology and <laughs> black feminist theory and things like that. So do not hear me as saying you need to listen because I tweeted it. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Too that, would be, Folks already that, tweeted that. That, that would be an evangelical way of thinking. So just <laughs> don't, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I, I was thinking, I was thinking about this and it, it kind of grew out of my reading of M. Sean Copeland's book, um, um, uh, Knowing Christ Crucified. I'm on that. Um, and, 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 and I've been, I've been sitting with uh, Sean Copeland, I mean, for the better part of maybe three years now. Yep. Um, just really trying to sit with her and, and listen and learn and things like that. Um, and, 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 and one of the things that, 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 that Sean Copeland just does so well, both in, in Flesh and Freedom and Knowing Christ Crucified, mm -hmm. is really forcing us to wrestle with, you know, I know it may be a big word to many people, but, you know, epistemology, you know, and yeah. the ways in which, no, you know, no. this, this is, is phenomenal. You know say, what you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I would say, you know, the, 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 the language of objectivity is always in some sense works against the oppressed. Yep, uh, yep. And so we have to we have to be honest about the ways in which and this kind of what I tweeted that, you know, the slaveholders epistemology does not contain the enslaved's liberation. That's right. Mm. The, the slaveholders epistemology does not and cannot. Cannot. It cannot. It will mm -hmm. not. We'll never. It won't allow itself mm -hmm. to contain the enslaved's liberation. What do I mean by that? You know, the ways in which the slaveholder functions in the world as a totalizing God-like force, 
not only regarding the mind of people, not only regarding the body of people, not only regarding the, the land to which people dwell, but also when it comes to whose body, whose mind, whose land uh, is, is on equal footing of authority as it relates to what we imagine to be true of human life and should be true in the world that we have inherited in, as, as God's creation. And so this idea of the slaveholders epistemology always functions in a sort of power dynamic that sees, you know, the, the colonized person uh, or the enslaved person or the marginalized person as somebody who is near not human or subhuman, right. you know, mm -hmm. and we and, and the ways in which this function, particularly as it relates to you know, the reform community that, that I was so deeply invested in, you know, they wouldn't use language of enslaver and, 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 and the, the slaveholder and the enslaved, you know, nor would they use colonial logic of, you know, the colonizer and the colonized, but they definitely use, use language of what's solid and not, right. you know? Mm. And so That's the right. language of what communities are solid and what communities are not solid performs a certain type of faith that functions within the colonial and slaveholder logic as theorist uh, Sylvia Winter would say, hmm. it always functions uh, in, in, in I think the I think the colonality of power. Now I like that word. I just like that 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 language. You know, the colonial, yep. colonality of power. I, I don't even know if I said it right, but when I read it, I loved it. Like, uh, it, 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 it always functions within these these power dynamics, whereby the other who is created by God and loved by God, you know, functions within a dynamic where the other, as Toni Morrison speaks of. Uh, in her um, in that text that she wrote, romanticizing uh, slavery, where she talks about this other that that people learn how to otherize others not by lecture uh, or, or or by teaching, but they 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 learn it by experience and what they inherit. Mm -hmm. And so whenever whenever we don't we we don't question what we inherit you know, as it relates to our ideas about the Christian life and our ideas about humanity and, and, and the other and our neighbor, you know, oftentimes, uh, and this is not just uh, true of the reform community, this is true of many communities, uh, but there's a particular way this functions within, you know, white evangelicalism in, in general, when like Southern Baptists and reform uh, spaces uh, uh, in particular, uh, whenever, whenever we don't really kind of wrestle with what we inherit, we, we, we repeat the trouble of the past and, and, and the ways in which those those who came before us who, who in, embodied the worst of the Christian tradition oftentimes never really, you know, really wrestled with that. And so for me, when I left, when, when I was in, what, what kind of got me in that space and what, what brought me out? Um, I, I won't share too much. I won't go into too much detail just because, you know, I want to say that for the book. But I played football in college. And so, you know, going into college playing at Clemson, uh, you know, most of the times when you're playing football, you know, you're playing sports at predominantly white institutions, um, mm. you, th those who have, who are in closest proximity to athletes are, especially when you're talking about religion and mm. 
and church community and religious space, you know, those are white evangelical parachurch organizations, which, <laughs> which yeah, 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 it's, it's just very true. And so, you know, it's white evangelical parachurch organizations that are in closest proximity to uh, athletes. And mm. so oftentimes because of the communities that we come from, tell us that we need to go make something of ourselves and that, you know, we're good in football. And so many of these uh, predominantly white institutions uh, reach out to us and recruit us and things like that. And we go there and, and, and the predominantly white institution and white social space becomes, you know, the most desired space that we believe can bring us the most success and access. We go into these spaces and these spaces are not neutral. There is no such thing as a neutral community. That's right. it, 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 there is no such thing as a neutral community. Every community has a s- sort of values and performances and, you know, commitments and things like that, that they, that they have already instituted within that space, you know, uh, uh, that guides the vision of that institution or that community. You know, that's not to say that these things are bad, but there's, that is to say that we need to be aware of them and, 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 and wrestle with them and think through them uh, or, or whatnot. And so going into that white social space at Clemson, you know, these communities that, I mean, these, these religious communities that are in close proximity are white evangelical institutions. And so when you start talking about me being Pentecostal and so many of us being Baptist and AME and things like that, mm. you know, for us, church, church is not this kind of like, it's not like, it, it was not like, as I think back, it, it, church was not like this kind of dualistic thing, like, like something you just do, but it, it's just part of life. You mm. know, we go to church and that just is what it is. And wherever we go, we need to find community, you know, and, 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 and we didn't, we didn't say find community, but we just, you know, trying to worship Jesus, you know, even though it was a little bit different, we, we still, we still adjusted and adapted and things like that. And so uh, that was really kind of my entry point was through fellowship of Christian athletes while at Clemson um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so the deeper, the more I started to go to that, uh, to, to that religious gathering, the more, you know, I started to become like the social space I was in. And if anybody knows anything, as many people know about sociology, and particularly around what uh, C. Wright Mills was talking about, the sociological imagination, uh, we, we have to talk about this relationship between the individual and the institution. Yeah. That, that every space, particularly every social space that we invest in and, and live in, uh, you know, that, that, that space has, you know, so, so it has priorities, it has rhythms and it has an imagination of what it desires for you to become as you invest and as mm. you leave that community. Right. And so social, if we start thinking about, you know, if we don't just simply name them as universities, but we actually talk about, okay, this is white educational space. This is white social space. This is white religious space um, or, or whatnot. If we don't name that, then we can't take into account the ways in which these practices function uh, and these rhythms function. So worship, going to worship, is not just simply going to worship, but it's inculcating a certain type of way of knowing and being and practice and things like that. 
that 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 wants to get you to a place where you imagine something about the world, particularly, you know, how you name, see, and act within the world. That's just a simple way of talking about theory. You know, mm-hmm. in some sense, you you know, you you learn how to theorize about the world from a particular standpoint. So you know, all, you know, all these people talking about critical race theory, you know, things like that. <laughs> you know, they're they're actually doing that. You know, mm-hmm. they're, yep. they're literally theorizing from their particular standpoint, and they are inculcating people with ways of imagining and theorizing, talking about the world. Uh, they just call it discipleship. Uh, or, or, or whatnot. And, I mean, it's just another, you know, it's another word for praxis uh, or whatnot. And so, uh, so that was kind of my way of entry and my way of exit uh, was, was through a couple of things. I was, you know, I was very deeply engaged in white evangelicalism from, from that time of being in college all the way up to, you know, really 2018. And in 2016, the, the two, the, really the three events that changed there was many things that changed me, but the, the, the three main events, you know, that changed me and it centered all around my marriage as well with my wife um, and us going through these events together was mm. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and then Donald wow. Trump. Mm. Um, wow. and, and, and for me, I don't think me, many people will believe this, but like, yo, I was like that black dude that was like the conservative black dude. Like, I literally was that guy. Like, I was that guy who was like, you know, I was that black token person within white spaces leading home groups on John Piper's bloodlines. Mm. I was that dude. That's oh. a part of my story. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, for yeah. real. So, yep, for real. Yep. Like, that's who I, like, like, I can't, that's why I'm not deleting tweets. Right. I don't mm. delete tweets. Yeah. I ain't deleting no posts. Right. Why? Because that's a part of my story too. I want you to see, like, hey, bro, hey, ain't nothing for me to run from. That I gotta watch my mouth too. Uh, like, I, I, I was gonna say something uh, that, that shouldn't be recorded. Uh, but, uh, I was gonna say that dude uh, was terrible. I was terrible, yeah. you know, because because you know, you know that 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 you know that 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 is a part of my story. I I mm-hmm, looked yeah. the other day. I think I that's got powerful. Like, for real, really? it just it's is what it just is what it is. Yeah. Hey, bro, I got fifty thousand tweets, dog. Y'all yeah. go look at them and y'all see my change. I got like for real, like I got fifty thousand yeah. tweets, and I want people to see that that fifty thousand don't just represent how terrible I am or how terrible I was, but it represents the grace of God in the midst of it. Amen. And, Amen. and it Amen. represents mm. it represents the Christian life and what we should be doing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to just simply erase what I was. I want to also show people what I became. And Come so on. when we talk about in the context of that text, First Samuel 10, um, mm. I, I can't just erase who I was before, but I want to show the process of me becoming a different person. A different person. Mm. Come on now. I, mm. I, 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 I wasn't going to take it there. I, I didn't yeah. want to take it. I ain't trying to preach. You know, mm. you know, but I did get my caffeine tonight, so you know it's late. So, so I might, I might preach a little bit, and so like, that's the thing. I can't, I can't, you know, I don't want to, you know, delete something that will distract from my purpose. I don't mm. want to delete pain that's going to distract from my, for, for, from, from, from God's power. And so I want people to see, like, yes, I was homophobic. Yes, I was sexist. Yes, I was patriarchal, and mm. I need to own that. Because yeah. if I don't own that, 
then yeah. I cannot help people get through that who are That's struggling right. with it. That's right. And so I can't, I used to have a terrible way of interpreting the Bible. I used to have a way of living life that didn't take into account the way my black wife felt within the context of white Christians. Mm -hmm. I need to show people that I can't lose the frenzy. I, I can't lose the frenzy because, because the frenzy has something to teach me about faith. Mm. I can't lose that. Mm. I can't lose the ways in which I learned how to move and shape. I can't right. lose the way in which my body had to lose control to gain control again. I can't mm. lose that because all of that story all up in there going to show that, hey, this is what God, this is what God has done. And this is what obedience in some sense to the voice of God and to the yeah. voice of others. Because at the end of the day, in that text, it wasn't just God who changed Saul, but it was the power of other people. And right. too oftentimes people are seeing the power of others and seeing the practice of others and not wanting to be caught up in the prophetic frenzy that would take them to the place that God wants them to go. All and right. so I can't Ooh. delete things. I can't delete things for me. And so like mm. for me, when it comes to like exiting, you know, for me, it was like, yo, I, I was that guy. But then Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, Donald Trump happened. And me huh. trying to interpret and live through all those terrible events with the terrible ways I was learning to be a Christian and the terrible ways I was being a husband uh, and the terrible ways I was being a friend uh, and things like that within the context of my wife teaching me and others teaching me and mm. me wrestling with my own self and realizing that, you know, like, Whatever this is, it ain't working. And I need to, I, I need to find ways of, 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 of trying to do better and interpret better. I need to learn how to embrace my limitations so that I learn wow. how to embrace the logic of love. And wow. so for me, and so for me, that came through Baldwin. That came through, yeah. it really came. White yeah. brother, you know, I share this in the book, but I ain't gonna go too much into this story. You know, white brother, while I was in that space, was like, hey, bro, it was after a uh, it was after a church service. He was like, hey, bro, I got this tech, I got this book, this book for you that I think you're gonna really enjoy. And so I was like, I bet. So brother uh Drew Hall uh or whatnot, he gave me a book, and the book was Martin Luther King's Where Do We Go From Here? Mm. And and mm -hmm. I read, I read Where Do We Go From Here, and then King quoted Baldwin's The Fire That's Next right. Time in Next that time. in that book. Uh, or whatnot. And then I read The Fire Next Time. And then after reading The Fire Next Time, it was impossible for me to stay in white evangelicalism. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it just, it yeah, it was a wrap. It, it was a wrap after that. Uh, because Baldwin, in both, in both of those, you know, in, 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 in both of those sections of the book, in some sense, you know, invited me to an intimate space of prayer in my dungeon shook. Uh, uh, in the in the first section, but then also Baldwin gave me, you know, sermon a, a a type of sermonic logic in the mm. second half of the book that gave me language to talk about what I was feeling and what I was thinking. So yeah, mm. so good. Ooh. My goodness, yep. I, I'm I'm hoping somebody's got a modesty cloth because I feel like I'm about to go under. Like um, there, there's, <laughs> there is there's so much that is hot in what you're sharing Dante. And I think, um, uh, your prophetic transparency, yeah, like uh, what it is to be transparent in heart for they will see God. Can I, can I interpret it like that? Um, is, is part of the reason why you're a gift for so many. Cause I think there's so many who's, who are um, teetering in this, like, um, uh, 
can I be transparent about, uh, I, I am not digging this, this isn't good for me. In, in fact, this is doing me in. And um, uh, you, your permission to just run ahead. So our, our next question and where I wanna go, um, it's really a question of hermeneutics. And already you are, um, you are practicing and inviting us into um, this, but it, it's a question of like the gifts that come out of your story and how like inverse is called inverse because um, we, we flip these pages uh, of these sacred texts that we might join Jesus in flipping tables and turn this world upside down. We want that same accusation uh, against those early people of the way that they're turning the world upside down to be true of us. And so our question here is um, what gift would you offer others who are looking to read these texts in a way that actually, and I mean, uh, you, you nearly had me doing carpet time when you started mentioning like Judith Butler and Pentecostalism. Now there's a conversation I have lived my whole life to be a part of that. That is exciting to, to me. But when you think about um, uh, gifts of ways to, to read in such ways that um, turn our lives upside down, our world upside down, um, what comes to mind for you? What, what's on top for you right now? Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's back to that text that, 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 you know, we centered our conversation around. Mm. Um, and, and, and in some sense, we have to look, you know, uh, Will, uh, Professor Wilda Gaffney, um, mm. in, her, in her book, uh, Woman is Mirror, she has this, yeah. you know, if people haven't read that, I mean, that book is just like, Phenomenal. I mean, that, that book is, 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 is absolutely amazing, not just because, you know, the theological work that she's doing in that, in that text, but, you know, I, I, I think her introduction is one of the, one of the most powerful introductions uh, to ways of interpreting the Bible that I've, you know, that I've come across. Um, and, and I think one of the, she, she, she mentions um, in the early sections of, or the middle sections of that introduction about, you know, sanctified imagination or yeah. uh, Dr. Judy Fincher's Williams, who I think she teaches at, um, I know she's at at, at uh, Alfred Street. Yeah, Alfred in, Street, in, right. In, in Virginia. And, and I, I might have been Virginia Theological Seminary, I think she teaches that, where she has her new book, A Theological Commentary of the Bible, if I'm not mistaken, uh, called Holy Imagination. And as I, as I think about, you know, as I think about both of them and the ways in which, you know, uh, Dr. Gaffney talks about sanctified imagination and the ways in which Black folk have... Uh, encountered and conversed with the Bible and the ways in which, you know, uh, Dr. Williams talks about holy imagination and this, and this, this, this kind of being open to, to, to converse with the text, to being surprised mm. by the text and even Ron Williams in his, um, mm -hmm. Ron, Ron Williams in uh, being Christian when, when he yeah. had that section on the Bible. Uh, 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 where he where he talks about this idea of enlarging our world and exploration, um, or whatnot. If we if we root those kind of three kind of metaphors, uh, uh, sanctified imagination, holy imagination, uh, um, exploration, and enlarging, and we think mm -hmm. about this particular text that we were rooted in tonight. You know, I think I think we can get a certain type of practice of hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, in in this text, this text is centered around uh, human beings' encounters with the word of God. 
uh, with the words of God, with the call of God. And so in, in this text, you know, to use that kind of sanctified imagination, you know, and, and as, as a way of uh, interpreting the Bible, when we look at Saul, uh, he had to encounter other persons. You know, he couldn't get where God wanted him to be if he had not encountered those whom God say he would encounter. You know, he, 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 met, he met these people. They're going to meet you on the way. And so oftentimes the way that we interpret the Bible is that we don't want to listen to other people. We don't want to encounter Ooh. other people, but oftentimes we want to control other people. And so because we want to control other people, oftentimes our understandings of the word of God are often limited because we don't take a position of humility and enlarging our world. But our ideas of the word of God are often limited because we don't believe that God is active within another. And so as I think about this practice, one must think about my Bible reading within the presence of another person or within the presence of a, another community. But another thing, you know, I have to also think about my position, you know, mm -hmm. in that text. In this text, Saul's position is not of an outside observer or an outside intellectual, but his position in this text is one in which it, who is engaged in the practice of letting the spirit move you whatever mm. way the spirit wants to move you. So Tony Morrison, I'm a, I'm a Tony Morrison fanatic. I absolutely <clears throat> love Tony Morrison. And Tony Morrison, I, I, there's this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant opening of Emily Towns' book, a uh, 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 womanist ethics and the cultural production of evil, and she starts that book, that woman's ethics and the cultural production of evil, quoting Toni Morrison's text, *The Dancing Mind*. And in that text, Toni Morrison says that you know the peace that I'm thinking of, the peace that I'm thinking of is 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 not you know, in some sense, the, the, the upholding of the status quo and the peace that I'm thinking of is not, you know, a relinquishing of our power uh, to, 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 in some sense, you know, to, 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 to uh, relinquishing of our power to history's rule or mm. the peace that she's thinking of is not simply, you know, uh, merely the absence of war and struggle, but the peace that Toni Morrison speaks of and in very much the peace that Jesus speaks of in, in, in the Come text on. and very much the peace that Saul would have experienced as he encounters the word of God in this moment of transition, Toni Morrison would say that the peace that she's thinking of is not the absence of trouble, but this peace is the dance of an open mind. And so his position in this text must be the ability to dance with an open mind. And as I was thinking about Toni Morrison, you know, I found it very interesting that Toni Morrison named this and that she suggests that there is a foundational and fundamental relationship between peace and the ability to have an open mind. She say, huh. she didn't say that that peace is bound to a burdened mind. She didn't say that peace is bound to an exhausted mind. She, she didn't even say that peace was bound to a hateful mind or a faithless mind or a controlling mind, but that peace is bound to this ability for us to, to, to engage in a posture that our mind 
mind remains open to the power of God at work in another per in another person and in another community. Mm. And I think when we, we we when we come to the Bible, we have to always pay attention, you know, to metaphors and the ways in which metaphors become signals for what God wants to speak to us. You know, when people say, yeah. you know, God is a son and God is a shield, they ain't telling you, you know, God is actually a son and that God is a shield, you know, but they're trying to get you to understand that wherever you are at and wherever you positioned in, God will always bring light to your path and God is always shining mm -hmm. behind the clouds. But then mm -hmm. God will always, in some sense, protect you from what you are not expecting or what you have to face. And so when we think about the mind as a metaphor within the text, we have to realize that the mind for biblical interpreters is not just simply the place of interpretation, but the mind is a place of imagination. And it is almost as if Toni Morrison, when she links peace and an open mind, and as we think about, you know, San, uh, this, this text in Samuel, it's not saying, you know, that your, your, your ability to be open is not, your ability to be open is not going to protect you from the tension of what it means to learn differently. You know, it, 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 it will, it's going to be kind of hard for you, you know, to be Episcopal like Saul and, and have water poured on you, you know, and then face some Pentecostals in the wilderness who, who just <laughs> dancing all over the place, you know, you know, it's going it's going to be weird, brother. It's, it's going to be weird, my sister. But you're going to have to be able to be open if you want to experience what God has for you. And so Tony Morris said, it ain't, it ain't going to keep you from trouble. It ain't going to be, it ain't going to be easy. But, it, but in some sense, having this openness to dialogue and, and, and discussion and being willing to be open will, will not protect you, you know, but it will keep you open to possibilities and help you find meaning. And so as I think about, you know, Tony Morrison and think about, you know, Saul in this text, uh, you know, and think about his position. You know, I think that we as Christians should be doing as best we can to try and figure out how to put ourselves in places and in positions and around people who will open up our mind as Christians and open up our mind as interpreters and and open up our mind as human beings and not mm. and not, and not just be people who just want to control others and and exercise power over others and even exercise power over God uh, uh, mm. or not but people who would be open and being willing to be a, to adjust uh, and, and dance a little bit with others so yeah Amen Ooh. all right. We're going to pass that plate. Yes. <laughs> we need our brother Mason to hit that organ. Hit the organ. Hit the... Right. Where's Amen. the altar call? Where's the... The... Yeah, yeah. No. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, put yourself in position to be among us as a people um, in this place um, so that you mm. can open, invite us into that uh, dance uh, with an open mind and with a holy imagination as we uh, dialogue around this passage together. That's, that's powerful. That's really powerful. You know, it made me think, I was thinking about like in my own journey, um, some of the, like I, when I was still in Philly and there was a community of folks that I used to gather with, they used to call it like kingdom builders. But, um, but one of our practices was um, reading scripture together. We would break into groups and get around a text and they would call it dwelling in the word, right? That was the, and, and it was always a communal act, right? This dwelling in the word, um, believing that um, there's something there that we can have and hear from others. And so it was 
everything an antithetical to the idea of controlling, right? Mm. Um, and I certainly know that here in Inverse, um, that's some of what we try to do in our community groups as well is try to um, create that space, uh, create the kind of positionality where uh, the first and last and the last are first in terms mm. of hearing and learning with humility, openness, um, dancing with God with a expanding, ever extending imagination. So that's this just a good word. So I'm really curious though. So you, um, in many ways, you've been teasing with the with the passage all all, all along. But I'm curious. Is there anything else you want us to think about as we think about this text? Um, uh, what, what does it mean to you? What what um, what are you thinking about as you're dwelling in and and kind of uh, having a sanctified imagination around this text? Oh yeah, 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 man. What 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 it really came out of, man? From honest, bro, it was just I was doing my devotion. So, you know, all, most so much, if not all, exclusively all of the content that I come up with online is out of me getting in my quiet place in the morning. So mm. I'm sitting mm. and I'm reading. I get up around you know 4 45 every morning first hour is is working out you know and 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 that that kind of you know working out time and then my second hour you know is reading and kind of getting in my quiet space in my office you know everybody's asleep I'm and I'm up and you know I'm trying to listen I'm trying to listen I'm trying to listen I'm trying to hear you know what God wants to speak through me through through the text or what God wants to speak through you know through through the words of others and so you know, as I think about, you know, this text with, 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 with Saul, you know, I, I, I often think about, I think about the people who changed me and turned me into a different person. Yeah. You know, you mm. know, in the Bible, that, that text says, when you encounter these people, mm. it, it will be like you are a different person. Now, now, now the, 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 the thing is, what's so funny is, you know, for a time there, he became a different person. Mm -hmm. He took on a different way of, of, of being in the world. He, he, he took on a different epistemology. He took on a hmm. different praxis. He took on a different way of, of experiencing God with, with, with others. And I want to say, I want to suggest that I don't just want to say it will be like you are a different person, but I wanted to say of me, you are a different mm. person now those, those mm -hmm. are two different those are two different ways of talking about that text when when when, when you're thinking about you will be like a different person or versus you will be a different person being like a different person denotes that that experience is temporal and there is a time frame and context where that 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 experience will be real and true of you but once you exit that time frame in that context you're going to be the same person the same the, the way uh, you're going to be just like the way you left and we know in Saul's story the brother was a changed person for a little bit. Yeah. But then when he left, he became a terrible, terrible individual. <laughs> and so I wanted to be said of me that it's not just that you were like a different person, but that you actually became a different person. So as I was reading that text, I've been reading through it and wrestling with it for, for a few weeks now. You know, I, I, I thought I, I really took into account you know, what, what is my, you know, I, I wrote it down. That would have been like a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, that was on June 6th. I, I, I was reading and praying 
Um, and, and I asked myself the question, I think I was reading somewhere where somebody, you know, was talking about this and things like that. And I asked myself the question, you know, what is my theological development and what story does that tell? And so I'm trying to wrestle with that question. You know, what is, what does it mean for, for, for me to read James Baldwin and Baldwin change mm -hmm. me and turn me into a different person? You know, what does it mean for me to read Pamela Lightsey? Um, uh, our, our lives matter, a, a woman is queer theology and me to become a different person. You know, what does it mean to read Rowan Williams, uh, being mm -hmm. Christian and become mm -hmm. a different person? What does it mean to read N.T. Wright and surprised mm -hmm. by hope and become a different person? What does it mean to read Tony K. Bambara and, and Alice Walker and Claudia Rankin and all these brilliant black folk from Kelly Brown Douglas all the way to mm -hmm. Kianga Yamada Taylor and yeah. Eddie Glaude and all these mm -hmm. people and, and thinking about all these, I'm, I'm surrounded by books, you know, and things like that. And so like, what does it mean for me to become a different person and how can I lean into that story? But then also another part of that is also you know, not everybody that I encounter will be, will catch me up in a prophetic frenzy, but oftentimes they will catch me up into an experience of pain. Mm -hmm. And so I need to learn from that as well. What did I learn about communities that made me experience pain versus prophetic frenzy? And wow. what does that say about the person that I became and how can that trauma as Henry Nowen speak of turn me into a wounded healer? Uh, and how can I, you know, think about those, 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 those pains, but then also another, another thing as well, you know, for many of us who are black uh, or, or who are, who are racialized in, in, in a white racist society often believe that, you know, for us to gain access and success means that we have to devalue and disrespect where we came from. Right. And so what does it mean to recover That's the right. place that I left in a belief that I will be different when I go? Mm. And so maybe I didn't hear the voice of God telling me that I was going to be a different person, but I wanted access to white money and white power and white acclaim mm. or class power uh, and right. class acclaim and things like that. And so there's many ways, you know, to play with that text. And I, as I kind of thinking about my own story and, and thinking about, you know, even that, that changed the way I wrote my book. You know, I wanted to talk about my black, I wanted my book to be hella black Pentecostal and it is mm. hella black Pentecostal. I wanted it to be, you know, you know, a text that, that, that was honest about my journey. And I, and, and we did, we went there. I wanted it to be a text where, you know, we were honest about the terrible ways I learned to be Christian and the ways others mm. learn how to be Christian as well. And so I think that journey of being a different person will encapsulate all of those realities. And for me, you know, as I think about that text in my own life, that's just what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to lean into that uh, in the church community I'm in uh, as a minister at Tabernacle Baptist Church and, and the lives of people that I'm, I'm around and uh, with my pastor and with the staff here and, and with my wife and with my friends and, and with so many people that I meet and things like that. I want to be able to talk about, you know, uh, uh, my journey and be able to tell everybody at the close of my sermon, look back. Did you see what happened? Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on. Yeah.
And then my living will not be in vain. That's right. Come on. That's right. That's right. And that's some troubles with Paul, but he got he got that one right. He got that one right. That's That's good. You know, it was fascinating because so I um, you read it out of the um, Common English Bible. Um, I pulled up both the Common English Bible and the NRSV because those are two of my like go to translations usually, and um, it was interesting that. So common English Bible says that you um, like a different person. And then the NRSV actually says be turned into a different person. So I was like, and so it actually brings up right there. That tension that you're actually wrestling mm-hmm. with is actually in the two different translations as well. And it reminds me that uh, me and Jared were talking earlier and I was saying to him, you know, so I'm doing like helping this church out. Um, doing like this assessment. I've never done, like, I don't normally do like church assessments, but I was helping a friend out who's like helping this white progressive Christian church who wants to like, you know, grow and all that. So there I am, we're sitting in the focus groups and I'm listening to them talk. And what what I came away with was they want to read anti-racist books. They want to go to Black Lives Matter protests, um, but they don't want to be changed. Right. Um, <laughs> even in the even in the reading of yeah, the, uh, literature, <laughs> right, even in the le- reading of the literature, they don't actually want to be. Cha- I mean, they want different ideas in their head, but they don't want to be changed yeah. as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think that uh, what you're inviting us into is so powerful and it's to imagine it in such a multidimensional way. Right. To um, changed um, as we dwell in the word, change as we read the words of others and hear from others, change in terms of the experiences that we have. Um, and I think that that it's almost, it's precisely a colonial imagination that, right. that desires to actually be in relationship with someone, but to not be changed, which can, right. is not a real authentic relationship at that point when you actually mm-hmm. engage, but there's no transformation that happened. There's not mutual giving, receiving and sharing. And so I think that um, that's, it's just, it's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Folks yeah. get that posture. Yeah, no, nah, that's real, that's real. And, and you know, in some sense, you know, as, a, as I've been in the academy, that was one of the, that was one of the biggest things, you know, that, that, that really kind of changed for me you know, I, I felt like at one at one time in my life, there was a moment there, a long and a long moment at that, um, where so much of my work was about convincing white people. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of my writing, you know, was about, you know, convincing white people, you know, that we were human, that we were Christian, that we was you know, work that we was worthy, that we, you know, that, that, that what we were feeling and seeing and going through was not, you know, fictitious um, and made up. And, you know, there, you know, the more I started to read black studies um, and, and black writers, contemporary black writers, particularly, you know, uh, like K.S.A. Lehman and Jasmine Ward um, and, and, fear, and those who are doing Black studies, like, um, uh, who have I been reading? Uh, Terion Williamson, um, uh, Kevin Kwashi, completely, The Sovereignty of Quiet by Kevin Kwashi, completely changed my life. Heavy by K.S.A. Lehman, completely changed my life. Um, Men We Reap by Jasmine Ward, completely changed me. Salvation by Bell Hooks, Completely mm-hmm. changed, but yes. more than 
But more than any of them, the book that changed me the most, you know, it's, it's this little, I, I'm not sure the obscure is the right, right way to speak of it, but it's not a text that I've heard many people talk about. Uh, it's called The Black Interior by hmm. Elizabeth Alexander. It's actually, I got it right here, actually. So it's this text right here, The Black Interior by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Alexander. And one of the things, you know, she wrote in this book, particularly, I, matter of fact, I just want to read it real quick, you know, just because we, we, we own this, Go for you, it. Know, you know, mm -hmm. since we're on here. She, she writes that, you know, what, what unites these essays is an idea, a metaphor of what I call the Black interior. That is Black life and creativity behind the public face of stereotype and limited imagination. The Black interior is a metaphysical space beyond the Black public every day toward power and wild imagination that Black people ourselves know we possess but need to be reminded of. It is a space that Black people ourselves have policed at various historical moments. Tapping into this Black imaginary helps us envision what we were not meant to envision. Complex Black selves, real and enactable Black power, rampant and unfettered Black beauty. Mm. And wow. so when I read that text it, it, and, and the Sovereignty of Quiet, where Kevin Kwashi uh, looks at the image of of, of the protests at the Olympics uh, of, of John Carlos with his yeah. fist in the air. And he suggests a alternative reading beyond the logics of public resistance to white supremacy and to look at their fist in the air as a place of prayer. And mm -hmm. what can we gain from seeing these images of black people, seeing our lives and our experiences beyond the logic of resisting white supremacy to look at the black world as Kevin Kwashi speaks of as a real world. And Terion Williamson would say that this black world is a world that's worthy of being the starting point as much as any other place in the earth. That this world, that this world making, this, 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 that Tanahisi, that Tanahisi coach speak of, uh, yeah. as he talks about his experience of being at Howard University, where he says, yeah. you know, the black world was expanding before me, right. and right. as W. E. B. Du Bois speaks of, uh, uh, in at the beginning in the prologue of the souls of black folk, where he yeah. says that I have chosen to leave the world of the white man and pass through the veil. And so right. this language of the veil, you know, is, is beyond this kind of celebrated double consciousness that so many people speak of, right. but it was the boys' ability in trying to figure out how does one talk about black stories beyond the logics and litmus of white imagination. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, that especially as you talk about people wanting to read anti-racist books and 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 things like that, but they don't want to be changed. And I, and I would tell people, you know, there is a difference between, you know, we have to be very careful and, and be mindful of this that we understand, you know, there is a difference between resisting white supremacy uh, or whatnot and dismantling white supremacy mm -hmm. and actually loving black people. Right. Those are two totally yeah. different postures and positions yep. and practices. There is a, you know, there, there is a difference between condemning the violence against those who, you know, who experience marginalizations at the various intersections of life. 
there's another thing to dismantle and decolonize theologies and ideologies that give those systems and structures of power their justification. Yes. You know, and so, you know, that, those are totally two, those are needed things mm -hmm. and they they represent you know a certain a certain type of practice that should you know mark especially the christian especially as we think about jesus and the life of jesus and we think about this idea of decolonization and the ways in which jesus always invited us into ways of reimagining the human and what it means to be human and to look again at the ways in which you know both the religious and the social and the political space exist oftentimes in 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 in, in, in some sense in matrices of oppression and their power are oftentimes interlocking and systemic uh, and, and interconnected in ways that this cultural production of evil and the power to which human beings are under the sway of, i.e. sin as a power, looking at sin as a power mm. that many, you know, theologians mm -hmm. speak of, not sin yeah. as just simply, you know, individual acts of transgression, right. but a power unto, to, under which human life and human institutions and human performances together are under the direction and sway of, you know, when we think about Jesus and this, this, this Luke 4 narrative and all of you and, and looking at his story, you know, Jesus was doing that type of work that was, you know, dismantling and decolonizing and deconstructing, you know, inequities mm -hmm. and systems of power and ways in which religion and politics gave those systems of power, the justification in Jesus wanted people to practice new ways of being human and being together. And so theorists today speak of that work, but like there is a there there really is a connection if we're honest there really is a connection between Judah Butler talking about gender That's trouble right. you know and the ways in which Jesus talked about gender trouble as well. That's you right. Know? I mean, there's a connection, you know, yes, there between is. The, with Charles Long and him and him talking about mm. significations and and then signs and symbols of religion right. and things like that and did and Jesus talking about taxes and the ways mm. in which the signs and the symbols of religion. Yes does not love and liberate people, but control and dominate them. And so theorists are, you know, in some sense, they're, they're doing the same work that Jesus was doing. It's just that, you know, they're helping us, you know, give better language, uh, uh, you know, to help us understand that and try and better put that into practice um, or whatnot. So I'll just end there. But yeah, there's a difference you know, between, you know, dismantling white supremacy and loving black people. And yeah. so for me, that was why in my research in school that, you know, I wanted to root my research in black texts and reading black texts theologically. Mm -hmm. um, just like what uh, Alice Walker, you know, when people read uh, uh, The Color Purple, people mm -hmm. can't skip over that, that preface that she wrote. That, might, mm -hmm. that preface that she wrote in The Color Purple might be one of the most beautiful theologically astute passages that I done seen, yep. you know, especially yeah. when she started calling God the ancestor and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and, and the ways in which that, 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 that the ways in which those in the Hebrew Bible saw their connection you know, to their ancestors and, and God speaking through those ancestors and, and, and ways in which like these fiction texts 
function oftentimes as ways that can reveal realities and truth that we need to need to know. And I wanted to do that theological work of reading black texts as many black theologians and womanist theologians mm. have been doing. But also I wanted to be a, be able to write and be a writer. You know, I'm a preacher and a minister and, and, and a campus pastor, but also, you know, I am a writer and I want to be a writer and I want to write about those things. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about that loving black people, I think for me, that means that I needed to be in that noticeable black tradition, but also that noticeably black theological tradition mm. um, that could be both black and Christian in public in ways that others have done before. Oh, well, if anybody is able to listen to this and not order your book, we're going to just take that as a prayer request. You let us know if you've listened to this and you've not ordered the book, we're happy to pray for you. Um, if, for if you need help getting the book because you can't afford the book, seriously contact us. Yes. Um, yes. Because uh, like, mate, uh, you are a gift for this moment where we're so thankful. And you're welcome back here anytime. Um, anytime. Uh, I know a heap of crew have... Um, a, a heap of questions, but uh, we'll wrap up the podcast um, section um, uh, for, for those listening. But on the Patreon, there will be those who uh, those who want to stay around for the, for the Q and A. But um, Dante, I was wondering, as a way of closing us out, um, w- would you be willing? Would you feel comfortable um, uh, to, to pray for the dear oh, listener? Yeah. Who, yeah, would love that. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's play real quick. Uh, Lord, we just thank you just for this night, God. Thank you for the Mm -hmm. strength and the ability to think and to make connections. uh, For we know that we live and move and have our being and thinking within you. And Mm -hmm. so thank you for this ability to live and to move and to think and to dance uh, tonight together, uh, as as Toni Morrison uh, spoke so wonderfully of. God, we pray that we would you know, be humble and, and, and embrace our limitations, that we would understand the ways in which we have changed, that we would understand uh, the people who helped change us in, 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 both, uh, in both beautiful ways, but also in terrible ways. Lord, we pray, pray that, that, that as, as we have, ex- as have experienced trauma and change, that we will find healing and grace within that. Uh, we pray that as we have uh, uh, encountered the beautiful ways of change, that we pray that we would continue to build upon that and not just be satisfied with being like a different person, but that we would be different people, uh, that we would be better than, 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 the, than the ways we learned how to be terrible Christians. We pray uh, that you would always allow us to be humble thinkers, uh, that we would listen and that we would learn together. Uh, For life is not an academic endeavor, Lord, nor is life an argument, uh, but life is to be embraced and be embraced with love. So we pray, Lord, that we would be able to look back and say, did you see what happened? And then the best things can be said of us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So good, brother. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, Deeply, deeply appreciate you. And um, we're going to open up for space for folks if there's just any questions we like to give folks opportunity and this just stays on um, the patreon the inverse podcast is proudly supported by you the listener and if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse